The Way Out Podcast, episode 193. For me, fear is at the heart of all excuses I ever made. And justification was at the heart of what allowed me to continue to live in active addiction and alcoholism. In fact, my girlfriend and I were just talking about it. And one of my primary excuses, really, justifications, if you will, was if I was sober for any stretch of time, of course, not working any program, just white knuckling it, right? Mm-hmm. What would invariably happen was I would get to a point where there was two options. Number one, I'm going to freak out on somebody and it's not going to be good because I right. could just feel the pressure building, right? Or yeah. I'm going to use, I'm going to drink. That's right. it, the, one of the two. Okay? I there want is, to escape it. If I'm not willing to act on it, then I just want to escape it, shut it off, kill it, whatever. <laughs> and, the, and the justification came in here. Well, it's better that I that I drink mm-hmm. because that way I don't freak out on somebody and you know hurt them. So I'm really their feelings, right? Exactly. Now you're taking one for the team. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm a. I'm That's a, perfect. I, I'm a giver. <laughs> Dude, look at you. I'm a. I'm a giver. You're such a good guy. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm falling on the grenade. If you had my life. You'd drink too. Right. That was the number one with a bullet. And I wore that chip on my shoulder every day Mm -hmm. with righteous indignation. How dare you? How dare you tell me that I have an addiction, that I have a problem? I've got, first of all, I got this thing under control. And second of all, right? You don't, you don't know my yeah. life. You don't know me. You don't know the first thing about me, and you don't know how hard I've had it. And, and it was, you could say that with confidence because you didn't let nobody close, right? Hundred percent. That's why they say, you know, the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel because we see things so clearly in other people. I would collect excuses every day in order to be able to use when I got home from work. Mm-hmm. Every day. I was collecting excuses and I had the big excuses that I could cash in anytime I wanted. Like, you know, if you were me, you'd drink two. And, you know, if you had my life, you'd drink two and those kinds of things. Right. But if and, it was like a day, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I would, didn't even have to be crappy. I would just, you know, oh, no. that person looked at me wrong. You know, that person cut me off. That person sent me an email I didn't like. You know, I was looking for reasons. I was looking for right. excuses. And they didn't or it could be a really things. good day. And then you're like, man, I did so good today. That was a good day. I deserve it. Got a lot done. Yep, I earned it. No. I earned <laughs> yeah. that. And I used that a lot too. So good point, Jason. Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I collected excuses every day to justify why I should be able to get hammered that night. Right every day a lot of my excuses were fueled also on a rationalization and justification that was based on minimization so i minimized forgot conveniently rationalized the extent of the consequences of my use so that I could continue to use without feeling as guilty. Now, the reality is is I knew what the truth was 
when the, when it hit me in the face and, and it did from time to time, the truth of it would hit me in the face in the form of a lost relationship, a DWI, something of that nature. The full weight and truth of my disease would hit me in the face. But in between those times, I was able to sort of self-dilute myself into thinking, well, it's really not that bad. I'm only hurting myself. There's no real consequences. Nobody really knows I'm doing this. It's fine. I've got my Jekyll and Hyde program going. Life's fine. I can continue to harbor my fugitive of an addiction. When I sat down and did a full-on step one with a, and there was like a five-page worksheet that had me detail all the full magnitude and extent of my alcohol and substance abuse and use and all of the consequences without any rationalization. It became undeniable that my life was completely unmanageable and had been for many, many years. my sponsor would, I'd present it to him, and then he would point out those things to me. Welcome, Way Out faithful and first-timers, to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's AllRecoveryRings.com. The Way Out podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week, we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and along with co-host and all-around superstar Jason, we've got a brilliantly informative and enlightening rendition of the show for you all about excuses, recovery, and how to turn these counterproductive defense mechanisms into positive change in progress. Rooted in fear and purpose-built to prevent 
meaningful, and rewarding transformation, excuses are quite complicit in the perpetuation of active addiction and alcoholism, as well as lack of progress or regression in recovery and spirituality. Excuses, justification, and rationalization are all intrinsically tied together and born out of fear. Perhaps it's fear of change, or failure, or of losing something we desperately believe we need to survive, such as our substance of choice. Alas, we don't have to live in a world of excuses, justifications, and rationalizations that keep us stuck, sick, and perhaps back in our disease. What we must do is feel the fear and do the next right thing anyway. Because on the other side of fear, way outcasters, is freedom. We'll demystify the how and why of excuse making and share how we, and you too, can turn excuses into positive change in progress. Plus, we'll share feedback from the sober and serious community and take your calls. So listen up. Jason. Charles. What's happening, my brother? Not much. Just uh, sitting out here enjoying the wilderness. <laughs> you are literally camping right yeah. now as we speak. And so thank you so much, brother, for taking some time to sit and chat with me all about excuses in recovery and how to transform those into growth and progress. Amen. Yeah, dude, it's, of course, you know, this is, this, this show doing this with you, man, it's like one of the most important things I think in my life, you know, it means a lot to me and I, I try to make every attempt to make it work no matter what I got going on. So yeah, it doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> People man, are pretty I, supportive yeah. of it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't you know? go unnoticed, man. It does not go unnoticed. So I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you. So let us dive into excuses and recovery i know this is something that's been on your heart for a while and so i'm yeah. happy to be able to uh finally get to this really important topic because i was full of excuses for so long man and i right. still am capable of generating excuses for not yeah. instead of, in, in in place of meaningful growth and progress right so yeah we're going to break it down. The first thing we always do when we cover a topic is we define, in fact, what an excuse is. And according to the Googles, an excuse is either a verb or a noun. If it's a verb, it's an attempt to lessen the blame attaching to or seek to defend or just justify. Okay. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds quite an excuse and justification in this realm go hand in hand, man. They're like, you oh, yeah. know, uh, cut from the same exact cloth for sure. Well, no? and the funny thing is, is that, that, um, I guess you'd call it like an insidious nature of it where I think a lot of times maybe we're not even really aware, you know, of it, like that we're even doing it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's we just... confuse excuses for reasons. Yeah. And, you know, and we, and, and we, we think we're, we think it's right because, yeah. you know, or whatever, because we trick ourselves into 
believe in some nonsense, really. (laughs) It can also be a reason or explanation put forward to defend or justify a fault or offense, right? So again, that justification. Now that's the second time we've heard justification attached to the definition of excuse. So justification is at the heart of excuse making. It makes sense, dude. I mean, it, leading up to this, I was thinking a lot, like really doing a lot of like searching uh, my past and like thinking about things, you know, and trying to pinpoint like stuff. And I think a lot of times that's exactly what was going on with me when I was making my greatest excuses or when I formulated some of those eternal excuses, you know, that absolutely. <laughs> Justification was at the heart of what allowed me to continue to live in active addiction and alcoholism. In fact, my girlfriend and I were just talking about it. And one of my primary excuses, really, justifications, if you will, was if I was sober for any stretch of time, of course, not working any program, just white knuckling it, right? Mm-hmm what would invariably happen was I would get to a point where there was two options. Number one, I'm going to freak out on somebody and it's not going to be good because I can just feel the pressure building. Right. Or I'm going to use, I'm going to drink. That's one of the two. I want to escape it. If I'm not willing to act on it, then I just want to escape it, shut it off, kill it, whatever. (laughs) And And the justification came in here. Well, it's better that I, that I drink mm-hmm. because that way I don't freak out on somebody and, you know, hurt them. So I'm really their feelings, right? Exactly. Now you're taking one for the team. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm a, I'm, That's a, perfect. I, I'm a giver. <laughs> Dude, look at you. I'm a, I'm a giver. You're such a good guy. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm falling on the grenade. But then once you get fucked up, you probably freak out and it's way worse than it was. Oh, way worse. <laughs> way worse. Or I did some other That shit's coming out. 100%. 100%. All yeah. sorts of sideways. Crazy. 100%. But that's where that came in. I can in. relate, and, though. Oh, man. Oh, and just, and I know there's people nodding like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I feel that. So. One of the things that came as I started mentally preparing for this episode was to understand for me, fear is at the heart of all excuses I ever made, right? I'm making Mm -hmm. an excuse because I'm afraid of doing what I really need to do or doing what I think I have to do, right? And so I yeah. handle that by, by, by formulating and justifying with excuse making. Right. Yeah. And that, and, and, in in recovery, we learn to feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. Damn right. Feel the fear and do the next right thing anyway. And yeah, that sure really, easy. I don't think that ever gets easy. No, but it's good that, you know, we, when we learn that and, and especially once we practice it a few times, you know, and we get that gratification, that, that good, true, 
uh, kind of gratification that sticks with you, you know, and uh, then you realize that there, there's real, you know, concrete benefits to that. But even then, man, it doesn't ever get easy to do the hard because the right thing is rarely the easy thing. You know, it's always the hard thing to do, you know, absolutely, definitely, definitely absolutely. tough. And that's an ongoing battle for me. <laughs> I also think about the how in this uh, it, it, when we talk about excuse making honesty and open-mindedness and willingness absolutely yes, yes. Okay. absolutely if i can get honest about what i'm afraid of if i can be open-minded to the solution and if mm -hmm. i can be willing to take the action i need mm -hmm. to take in order to grow and progress right. Those are the essential ingredients to walk through that fear, right? Right. I think for me too, uh, to add to that is like, you know, reaching out to at least two, maybe three people that I really trust uh, for, for their take, you know, on it. Because maybe they're, they're going to either, either they'll confirm what I already know, but I'm trying to avoid, or they're going to present something that I haven't even thought of, which is a lot of times the case as well, you know, for me. And, um, you know, is it an easier? Probably not. It might be even harder than what I was thinking, but, or, you know, a hell of a lot healthier though. And for, and, and you know, it'll be something that'll honor me as well as the other person or whatever. But I'm like, I need that. I need like that guidance piece added in there for me because especially when I'm in that position you know it can you know really be scary and then it's like I'm not even thinking right you know it's, it fucks it with my uh, ability to focus on or understand because I can't look at it objectively right I gotta I, I'm I'm too caught up in my feelings <laughs> so I need right. I need outside influences and that's a good point to be caught up in the feelings and the emotions one of the things I realized was I would jump so fast to the excuse that I wasn't even aware and awareness right. is so important here, but mm -hmm. I wasn't even aware fear was at the root of it because I wasn't even giving myself the opportunity to be able to really even meaningfully feel that and feel what fear feels like only in sobriety did I really right. come to understand fear and then be able to sit with it and move into a place where I could then take the next right action to progress right. my recovery. Right. So, man, you gave me goosebumps when you said that, cause that's so true, man. I mean, never sat in it. I never did. Right. I never allowed it to be something that I could sit with. Uh, God, I remember in therapy, man, when, we did this meditation exercise and he told me to like, you know, I had to do the full body scan. If you guys don't know what that is, look it up. And then he was like, all right, now imagine all of your, you know, all of these uh, icky feelings or, or your fear and all the negative shit is like sitting in your chest. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. I'm imagining it. Then he's like, now imagine that you take your hand, your right hand and you reach in your, into the, into your throat and you reach down in there and pull it all out mm. he's like now you're holding it in front of you and i said okay and then he's like now set it he's like now set it down on the ground right in front of you 
<clears throat> or like on a platter or whatever you want to picture. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, he was like, now he's like, whatever it is, he's like, do what you got to do to make it okay that it's sitting in front of you. He's like, wrap it up in a pretty bow, spray perfume on it. If it stinks, whatever you got to do, but you got to find a way to make it comfortable that, that it's in front of you like that. And I was like, what the hell? Because it's so easy when we suppress, you know, when we bury, and we think that that's solving it because maybe we can forget about it out of sight, out of mind, whatever. But, you know, that shit doesn't go anywhere. If we don't resolve it, right? And, man, I remember that clear as day, and that's exactly what, I don't know why, but that was like when you were sharing that, I got these goosebumps, and I'm thinking, man, yeah, I never sat with it. I never and, was willing to explore it, you know what I right. mean, or find the feelings behind it, nothing. Right, and sometimes we're so conditioned that we're not even aware that we're doing it. No, yeah, it's a survival mechanism, man. Right, yep. right. We've been conditioned out of sheer survival to be able to move so quickly past that 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 fear right. right into the excuses in order and justification in order to be able to anesthetize and escape that's like so funny like it anesthetize it's like yep so that we don't even feel it right or right like we're not we're we're not even going to acknowledge it 100%. you know i think of it i i think of it like camouflage right like our excuses are bricks in our wall and and they're they're a way for us to camouflage to ourselves and to others um to and really it's 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 protecting whatever the fuck our addiction or unhealthy hurt ha habit or hang up is you know like we we can't let it go <laughs> absolutely absolutely Dude, there can crazy. also be outside of those this things. is good already this is good already <laughs> the, there's a lot of excuses that we may be guilty of using that allow us to stay sick and stay in the disease one of those would be the recurring thought that i don't deserve a good life right Guilt right. and shame over the years of addiction can overshadow the possibilities and opportunities that are available in recovery. And, 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 and we can get into this negative thought pattern that, you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't deserve it anyway. I'm a piece of crap for all the bad things yep. I've done. And, um, you know, the, the, the good life is for other people and not for me. You just pretty much told my story in a nutshell. I mean, <laughs> the last 20 years of my life, dude, was right there, right there. No matter how good things were going, I would always sabotage it because I didn't think I deserved it, you know? Or I would just not trust it. Right. That was another thing. Be suspicious I, I of it. it. Yeah, be suspicious. Yep. I would think for sure that there's something that, you know, something's afoot. And, yeah. You know, I'm going to hurt you before you have a chance to hurt me. You know, because I'm already right. hurting myself so much that I can't take any more hurt, you know. The fact, though, is that you absolutely deserve to have a good life. And if you Amen. feel like you have some work to do in terms of repairing some of the karmic harm that may have occurred 
at the hand of your active alcoholism and or addiction, then you have a responsibility to get yourself right and get yourself well so you can make reparations and amends. And that's what we do, right? We get well, Mm -hmm. we get better, and then we make reparations and we make amends. And that's how we become whole with ourselves. And that's how we become whole with those around us. And those actions, man, those reparations, um, even, even just, you know, that being of, uh, assistance and support to other people who are trying to do the same things that you're doing, you know, to better themselves. And you can kind of help guide them through that process. These are all things that slowly build back the self-esteem and the self-love and the, and the, you know, builds up your worldview, but it also takes a brick out of your walls, man. Like one chip, one brick at a time, you know, just, and it's a process dude, a slow process, but we can, we can be happy and everybody. I love that you pointed that out. You do deserve it. Whoever you are listening to this, like all of us do, it doesn't matter what you, you did, it. what you've done. What matters is where do you want to go, man? And how can I help you get there? You know what I mean? Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Another one of those negative reoccurring thought patterns is I've never done anything right in the past. I always screw it up. I always, uh, I always F it up. And so self-fulfilling prophecy, 100%. you know, yep. but our, yeah. <laughs> but our history reaffirms that negative thought pattern. Right. And we use that shame and that guilt over failure as a, an excuse to continue to use. Wow, yep. I always screw it up, All right? So, so I'm gonna screw it up so this time. It. Yep, and that's the way it is. What's the point, yep. dude? I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Just the other, like a week ago, I'm at a bonfire meeting, and a guy that I really am, I mean, super proud of. He's just he's doing amazing things, and he's been, he's come so far, but he's kind of been feeling stagnant. Yeah. And and feeling like he's lacking purpose. And he shared about it in this meeting and he he just sounded defeated, you know, really yeah. deflated and kind of pissed off. Yeah. You know, he was like, What's the point then? You know, uh concerning some stuff with his kids and custody battle he's going through and all this shit. He was just he was feeling defeated and so it was pissing him off and I I had to approach him after a meeting, man. And I was like, you know, feelings aren't facts, dude. And this shit's going to pass. You know this. He's like, I know. Then, you know, I checked in on him then a couple days ago. And I'm like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling any better? And he was like, yeah, man, thanks for asking. And I'm like, well, hell yeah. I mean, what do we do? We got to do that. You know, you might be the only one that does. So don't just like show some care and concern in the moment. But, you know, like follow up with people. Let them know that you are really thinking about them you know that matters it it goes further than you think oh my gosh that matters you might be the only one absolutely might be the only one that does that shit for them and even if it were that were true by the way that you screw everything up and you always screw it up and you never do anything right right um uh it's pretty impossible it's impossible it's impossible that you've never done anything right in your life okay 
Amen. In the past, (laughs) it does not have to have any effect on the here and now, right? No. Beyond, Beyond the fact that we can take ownership and responsibility and we can do the next right thing and we we can make that next right action that's what matters right everything in the past does not matter and we all know about the one foot in the past one foot in the future we're pissing all over the present right yes (laughs) yeah and i spent so much of my active addiction and alcoholism uh, straight stuck in the past and never was able to move out of that. I was stuck. Yep. And working the steps allowed me to be able to move out of that and get unstuck. Right. You know, I think that for me, it was the same primarily was the p- stuck in the past. But I will say this, man. There was occasional times when I would think about the future. Oh, yeah. And what was it? It was what you were just talking about. I would immediately um, just pretty much disregard anything that might be what you would consider a dream or a hope uh, for me, for my life, or, or like a passion. If I passion for anything, like pretty much immediately convince myself that there's no way I would be good enough. So what's the fucking point? You know, like, so I never tried, you know, really dive deep into any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause I just didn't believe that it was a possibility, you know, instead of what's funny is like, you're talking about this mindfulness aspect, like being in the moment. If you're in the moment, dude, and you, and you try to live that way day after day, you'd be shocked after a little while when you look back at how much good shit has been happening and how much life has changed. I mean, and that's, it happens one step at a time and it's going to happen quicker if you're here now and not fucking thinking about stuff that already happened dead and gone, you know, or, or telling yourself that you ain't going to ever do anything or amount to shit in the future. You know, that's a fact. One of the things that I often was guilty of in terms of the future. So as you stated a hundred percent with you, I was in the past most of the time. But what I was in the future, most of the time for me, it was rooted in this idea that this next thing is going to be the thing I need in order yeah. to, to solve all my problems, right? That Ooh, next okay. job, that next relationship, that mm-hmm. next thing, whenever that was, right? What would is that? Be the, uh, would be the thing the, that would solve it for term, me. There's a term for that trying to think of that's gonna bug me sorry go ahead <laughs> i know i get that feeling i hate that <laughs> i hate it you know what i mean though like there's a term for that when you when you're uh putting your your hopes or you know your future your success or your happiness i think in in recovery they talk about you know making your happiness contingent on any person place or thing but exactly right and that's putting conditions on my happiness right Right. My and then happiness. when something doesn't work out to your plan, right, then it's like you're crushed. You're just crushed. And I, and, I, and, and, and I always put contingencies on my happiness. This next thing is going to make me happy. And that's where my future tripping would be. Do you think you still do that? 
ah, sometimes I catch myself doing it, uh, but I am able to, uh, I'm able, I'm, I, I, there's an awareness that kicks in for me, right? Right, like you catch yourself and you're like, this is stupid, like, I what? know I'm not supposed to do 100%, this. 100%, like the last maybe like, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I'm like, I need a bigger house. Right. I, I just need a bigger house. Well, well I don't speaking know. of you and Angela too, you guys just had two year anniversary, didn't you? We sure did. Well, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. It's uh, it's been a it's been a beautiful two years, man. I'm very I'm, uh, I don't know how I I don't know how I landed a girl like that, but uh, uh but uh I'm uh, grateful as hell, man. But yeah, I thought yeah. I thought oh, I need a bigger house and I need a bigger yard and I need, you know, and, and that's that next thing, right? And then right. I, you know, shook my head uh, while I was walking one day. I'm like, I don't, I don't need <laughs> that to be happy. I, I, right. I don't you even really nice need house. that. I've got a great house. There's nothing wrong yeah, with my house. house. Yeah. Uh-uh. Nothing wrong with my house. Nice neighborhood. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's weird that you mentioned that. I was just talking to Wyatt uh, yesterday in the car about uh, perspective, right? Yeah. And I told him about the the kind of story about like, you know, you got the guy in the sports car driving and he looks really happy. And then you got a guy in like a car like my car and he's looking sad and he says, I wish I had a car like that. But then there's a guy riding a bike and he's looking at me <laughs> driving my car and he sees me as happy, even though I'm miserable in there. And speaking of which, that dude in the sports car is probably miserable too. Absolutely. But then, Absolutely. He, but then he says, man, I wish I had a car. And then there's a guy walking who sees that guy riding the bike, perceives him to be happy and says, I wish I had a bike, you know? And then there's a guy with no legs watching that dude walk down the street. And he's thinking, I wish I, had, I could even walk. And, and I'm like, it's all about perspective. And no matter what you have, Wyatt, and where you're at, if you choose to have that negative mindset, that's what you're going to see. That's right. You know, that's right. You're going to see that man who has things going on, who's sad inside, who's broken and hurting, but you're going to see him as happy because he has what you think you need to be happy. And I was like, son, you have everything you need to be happy inside of any given moment. And you got to try to be grateful the answer to that is gratefulness and I was talking about being grateful and it was a really cool like moment in the car because when I was talking about being honest with you all of a sudden I get on this tangent and telling him a story and then he really got into it man and he was talking about <laughs> actually what he said was like this guy in the sports car was first place for sure and he's like and you got second place and he's like that's pretty good because your car is a piece of crap dad and I was <laughs> laughing so hard <laughs> He's like, obviously, the guy with no legs has fifth place. And then he's like, oh, but people, people don't have no legs. And that, that started a whole other conversation. Oh, I got you know, a lot to teach old. you, boy. I got a lot to yeah, teach you. Yeah, it got deep. It got deep. <laughs> and this is the thing we talk about. The, and, and we just we were talking a lot about this. First, I need to is another excuse we all can make when it comes to either getting sober or progressing in our recovery. Well, first I need to do this. First I need to get a job. First I need a better car. First I need a house. 
First, I need this. First, I need the relationship. Whatever it is, right? Uh, in in the reality is, just like the one thing you don't have, the one thing you need to do may also be a non-issue. It may very well be that you are fixating on the challenge rather than just beginning the process of making changes in your life that will help you stay sober. Amen. That's back to that mindfulness thing. Right. Now being in this moment. Absolutely. 100%. And from my perspective, really, the reality is, is that the, the, the toolkit that I have now because of working through the steps in terms of the inventory process, and I can apply that inventory process to any fear or excuse or justification I am uh, grappling with in my recovery. And if I apply that and I allow myself to really, if it's in the moment, I can sit in that fear and I can do the inventory right then. But if it's something that's been sort of cropping up over and over, over the past week or two, right? I can also apply inventory to it in that way. And the inventory is, you know, what am I, what am I afraid of? Okay. And what part of self is it affecting? And that's where the fear really hits the, that's where that rubber of the fear hits the road. Right? right? Is it affecting my security? Is it affecting my um, a desire from a romantic perspective? Or is it affecting me from a financial perspective? Or from an ego or self-esteem perspective? Right? Which is so, really the same thing. It is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, so once I can make that determination, like what part of self is this affecting then i can start working on that opposite principle right right and i can then pray sometimes i'm not willing so for example if i'm talking about this you know i need a bigger house 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 right well that's really that's really pride right, right. that's really pride and ego for me right okay well, well that was me that was me like what was that maybe a month and a half ago now i had total car fever dude i was yeah. when i got that stimulus check yeah i was gonna go get a car and then right. i had a bad experience and then i was i prayed about it thank god i prayed about it because all of a sudden i got hit with this moment of clarity and i ended up deciding to uh like invest some of that money into uh paying off a significant debt oh and that's then, tremendous and and then i put most of the rest in savings and i decided you know what my car still runs who cares if you hate it it still runs so like let's stack some dollars and uh i went i already have almost two grand in a separate in a savings account and that's just like for the car thing that's um, tremendous and i'm paying everything yeah and it, dude right and i'm like what changed you know uh before before that moment, I, if you even talked about like money, finances, debts, I would really get weird and uh, kind of shut down and zone out and go into a really weird place uh, within myself about it, like total fear, like fear cave. And then now it's like all of a sudden I was pumped about saving money and pumped about starting to 
really work on debt and I've been doing that and, and, and I'm like pumped about having conversations about it. And I'm like, that is so weird. It's complete 180 just from that, you know, like, uh, catching myself in that, what you're talking about, you know, like that, I need it. I need it. I need it. You know? And I caught myself in that and realized I need to pump my brakes. Cause like, what does a seller love the most when somebody comes in and their, their minds already made up, their hearts already in it. They're Absolutely. already planning on writing the check. They don't even have to work hard to sell you on nothing. I mean, this, you sold, it sold itself, you know, cause you, you already talked yourself into it anyway. And so, you know, that's when they'll treat you like shit because they think, you know, and I'll thank God for that gift of self-awareness. And I was able to notice that I was being treated that way. And I was able to notice that I'm way too excited or pushing myself way too hard. Um, but that's, you know, man, the greatest gift, self-awareness to be able to say, man, I'm fucking up on this one. You know, I'm doing this wrong. That's tremendous. And it allowed you to be able to reorient yourself in a way uh, that you could begin to work toward a a really important goal for you and a really important milestone from a recovery perspective. And what happened with you with your house thing? You know, you said you've been having house fever. So what made that change? You know, it was just an inventory process of, you know, right here in this moment, I'm okay. Right here in this moment, I don't need anything. Uh, I don't need this bigger house. So, so Angela and I had a great conversation around it. And, right. you know, we have a five-year plan. We're going to stay in this thing for five more years. And, you know, we're wow. going to get to a place where, you know, we feel good about, you know, where we're at from a financial perspective. Alex will be three years graduated from high school at that point. And then, you know, we'll make yeah. a decision on whether we want to, you know, take that next step and move or maybe we want to stay. But, you know, that's the five-year plan. So, and, and, and what a huge difference in your, in your like, uh, thinking about where you're at and what you need to do. Like, yeah. you went from, I need a bigger house to... I'm staying in this house for five more years and I'm yeah. not going to worry about it. I'm going to save money. I'm, that's right. You know, like that's complete 180 is literally like the same thing that happened to me. You know, like yeah. uh, the self-awareness brought upon introspection and then you think about it on a deep level and, and you really unpack it and, and take a look at what, what's going on with this. Why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? You know, I'm putting all this pressure on myself that I don't need to be putting on myself to do something that I really can't afford to do. Right. And it was like a mix of like, I need a bigger house because my ego needs that. But also, you know, this house is a little small, you know, and there's certain times where, you know, if if my girlfriend wants to be doing homework and, you know, the boys rocking out to music that, you know, uh, it it could be tough to necessarily find a a quiet spot sometimes. Right. And so then I think there was fear of, well, she's probably going to leave because, you know, she can't handle, you know, the small house. So I better get a big house right now to solve that. Right. You know, and, uh, and the reality was it was just, you know, uh, um, getting at that fear and realizing that was irrational. Uh, and, uh, ultimately, even if she would have done that, which she wouldn't have, then maybe that's not the right fit from, you know, that's not the kind of person you want to be with. Right. So anyway, so it was this great way to be able to really get at the root of the fear, sit with it a minute, and then, you know, be able to have a healthy conversation around, you know, what do we want long-term and, you know, how do we get there? Dude, and I can only imagine what, 
you know, like carrying out that plan, right. Of waiting another five years. Um, what, how much bigger of a blessing, whatever your next step, you know, your next place is going to be like, yeah. than it would have been if you jumped the gun now. And, uh, basically what do you, you know, you sign away your life to, 100%. you know, the, some lender, you know, to, 100%. to do that, to be house poor, man, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Totally. That's a freaking term. I just learned that term. And I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think no most people, as soon as they can get a home loan, they're like, yeah, where do I sign? And they don't think about that shit. You right. know, like, yep. Right. yep. I have no desire Crazy. to be house poor. None whatsoever. Dude, we got some serious sober and serious feedback time now to hear what the sober and serious community says about this week's topic every week we share select responses to the weekly show topic which is posted every wednesday as the topic of the day on sober and serious on facebook your experience strength and hope continue to amaze and inspire so keep up the great work you guys yeah we had a couple of topics because it's been a minute since we've done a topic episode. By the way, for being camping and probably not having a cell tower super close to where you're at, you know, there's been a couple hiccups sound-wise, but overall, I think you've sounded pretty good, so it's been good. Well, good. I'm glad. I, you know, I hate like me to say some super like spiritual truth shit and no because of glitch <laughs> you know what's funny too as soon as i said that you glitched out which is totally murphy's law that's just that's oh that's you suck that's, that's so your hilarious. fault i know <laughs> that's your fault it is dude dude i i taunted i taunted the zoom gods <laughs> so the topic the first topic was how do you turn excuses into positive change and progress and we use initials to protect the innocent. That's correct. JN says yeah. coffee, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, I could relate. That one. I was shaking my head, but yeah, oh, it's no. oh, I laughed. I thought that was great. I don't want to go to work today. Just drink some coffee and shut up. Get ready, and then you're good to go. You know what I learned about coffee. Mm. And, and it's changing my relationship with it so much. So in terms of caffeine, not just coffee, caffeine, it's changed my relationship so much so that I think the, the writings on the wall for me, that caffeine is not going to be a part of my long-term future. So we understand caffeine is giving us energy. Correct. And that's why we drink it. Correct. That is actually a, fallacy the truth about caffeine is that it robs energy it borrows energy from our body okay and allows us to use it on demand the problem is when we stop consuming the caffeine during the day we're out And we're out of reserve energy as well, which is why we experience that big low, right? It's not because the caffeine, quote unquote, is wearing off. It's because we're feeling the effects of borrowing our energy ahead of time. 
And our body now has to, and that's why you often crave carbs and sugar and all that other stuff in your, in your caffeine low. Right. Right. So this idea that caf, yeah. So this idea that caffeine is energy is a complete falsehood. Bullshit. It's like back to what we were talking about earlier. Everything you have is within you. It's yes, that's correct. It's weird. It's all in you, right? It, it, caffeine is giving you nothing. It's taking something from you is what it's doing. Down. Yep. Yep. hundred wow. percent. AM. Yep. AM <laughs> says waking up, thanking God for everything he has done. Say, uh, step three, gr- say three gratitudes out loud, spreading kindness and love. Well done. AM. Well done. Yeah. I love that. SG says, live a life of integrity and you won't need excuses. Absolutely. AS says, this story illustrates my high-tech process for me avoiding excuses for skipping one or more of the three meetings a week I attend. An AA member went to the chairperson and said, I won't be attending AA meetings anymore. He said, may I ask why? He said, I see people on their cell phones during the meeting. Some are gossiping. Some just ain't living right. They're all just hypocrites. The chairperson got silent and he said, okay, but can I ask you to do something for me before you make your final decision? He asked, Mm -hmm. what's that? So take a glass of water and walk around the meeting venue two times and don't let any water fall out of the glass said, yeah, I can do that. He came back and said, it's done. The chairperson asked him three questions. Number one, did you see anybody on their phone? Number two, did you see anybody gossiping? Number three, was anybody living wrong? He said, I didn't see anything because I was so focused on the glass so the water wouldn't fall. He told Mm -hmm. him, when you come to an AA meeting, You should just be focused on the program, not on the members, so that you don't relapse. Don't let your relationship with the program be determined by how others relate to the program. Let it be determined by how focused you are with the program. I love that. Like principles for personalities. It's the 12th tradition, you know? Absolutely. and it's one of the, it's the thing, the biggest hang up, dude, that people completely don't even realize that they're succumbing to that. I see it so much where you know, they're about done with the whole deal over some shit someone did to them or whatever, or some stuff that they see. And, you know, sometimes they could see something happen between two other people and they just think it's so fucked up. So then they're like, well, this is a toxic environment and I'm never coming to this shit again. Well, no, that's two toxic people that you watched, you know, uh, altercation happen. And it has nothing to do with the program. It has nothing to do with what this can do for you. You know what I mean? But totally. We miss it. We miss that. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Second topic was what, if any, excuses are blocking you from personal and or spiritual growth in your recovery? Uh, <laughs> KC says, I believe at the core, we need to learn how to stop lying to ourselves. That's what's most destructive. When we can mm-hmm. learn to see the self-imposed lies, many barriers are broken down. As we say, to thine own self be true. Right. 
Love that. 100% love that. G.O. says, fear and self will run riot were my main obstacles. I'd talk myself out of following through what was suggested by others. I was afraid to put the effort in case it didn't pay off. After a year in the rooms, I realized I was suffering needlessly at my own hands. I realized the importance of taking calculated risks. I started to work on my relationship with God. I started the process of turning my will over to God, recognizing that doing the next right thing was his will for me. When I started to feel more secure in our relationship, my fear lessened. The relationship became one of trust and one of faith. If I'm not growing, I become stagnant. Soon I regress. No matter what happens or what the outcome, do or not, my God will always carry me through. Mic drop. Right? Mic drop. Okay, so the question was what what excuses have blocked your growth, right? Yep, yep. yep. So I wanted to ask you, like, uh, for you personally, Charles, like, can you think of any examples of that from your own life, like previous to recovery or early on? Or Yeah, 100%. Number one, I had a huge resentment against God, right? That asshole took my mother. Um, I want nothing to do with a God that would do right. that. Right. And that, you know, ultimately I lived by the I'm not going to live a life that includes others, really, because they fail me and they go and they go away. Um, So um, I'm going to do this thing on my own and whatever I have to do in order to get that done, whatever is required. And if that's harboring an addiction like a fucking fugitive, I'm going to do that right? Because yep. that's how I need to survive this thing, right? And in, in my biggest excuse, by the way, if you had my life, you'd fucking drink too. Right. That was the, that was the number one with a bullet. And I wow. wore that chip on my shoulder every day mm-hmm. with righteous indignation. How dare you? How dare you tell me uh, that I have an addiction, that I have a problem? I've got, right. first of all, I got this thing under control. And second of all, fuck you, right? <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't know my yeah. life. You don't know me. You don't know the first thing about me. And you don't know how hard I've had it. And, and it was, you could say that with confidence because you didn't let nobody close, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's why they say, you know, the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel because we see things so clearly in other people, you know, we, but we're, we're always the last to know when it's our own shit, you know, and that's why we need each other, right? No doubt, man. I heard people in the rooms telling my story. I heard people in the rooms saying the same exact thing. Like they would sit in a, (laughs) sit around a table and they'd say, you know, I used to think like this and I used to feel this way. And, and it kept me sick and it kept me yeah. and it kept me in the disease. Right. And then I realized that I didn't have to live that way anymore, that I could let all yeah. of that go. And as Gio talked about, you know, I could start 
um, doing these actions and start getting these results and start trusting it and yeah. start to realize that these results are fully in connection with a power greater than myself. And now yeah. I start trusting in that process. And now I start mm -hmm. trusting that there is a higher power out there that I can tap into that can give right. me the spiritual strength I need in order to be able to continue to grow and continue to let go of all of that old stuff and begin to, and begin to get well right. and, and stay well. That's, That's a great awesome. question, man. Thank That's you. a great question. Well, you, you know, man. I thought, I remember when you posted it, I thought we got to make sure that we respond to this too, you know, like, because 100%. I, th I think that's important. Um, so with that being said, I guess I'll share too. That's, yeah, I was just going to throw it like, back to you. So, so tell yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. I knew you were, <laughs> um, no, you know, you're not going to let me slide. Nah. Um, no, for me, like, I think my excuses, a couple of my major ones, my like eternal excuses, if you will, that were a never ending source of perfect reason for me to get high or whatever drink, um, or, or no call, no show or do any of the stupid shit that I used to do was, uh, you know, that I thought that everything good leaves in the end, you know, right. um, I had thought that I found it, that lifelong commitment, that, that lifelong purpose. And then, you know, when I lost it, um, I think because I was afraid to, to like sit in my own shame, you know, for my part, because yeah. it really wasn't, you know, mostly my fault, but not a hundred percent, obviously, but, um, that I would instead choose to blame and, and, uh, you know, play the victim card. So I would, my excuse was always that I got dealt a raw hand in life. Um, you know, it I was treated unjustly, unfairly, uh, you know, I'm such a great guy and they didn't see that. And, and I, and as a result, you know, just like you kind of alluded to with what you shared, it's like I viewed or I judged people as a whole based on the actions of a few of my uh, first real serious girlfriend who I had two kids with for abandoning, even though really I abandoned her and you know, and then she didn't want to participate in a active uh, relationship with me, whether it was romantic or just co-parenting. She just didn't want to talk to me because I hurt her so bad. Yeah. And I, but I didn't see that dude until, right. you know, 18 years later when I worked these steps and uh, it was a hard pill to swallow. Let me tell you, but I look back at these things and I think about it and it's like, I remember so many times, where something was getting out of control and my excuse was I have a problem with meth for instance you know but I there was plenty of times where it was a different substance that was the one that was getting out of hand and I would always 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 give up one crutch for another you know I won't do that I'm gonna stop on that shit but I'll, I'll do this over here um, it never occurred to me that maybe what I needed to do was to try a life 
style of complete abstinence from all chemicals. I never understood that concept that it talks about in the NA literature where it says, you know, once we take a drink or any drug, we release our addiction all over. Yes. I thought I just had a problem. So with one thing, so I would, that was a reservation for me, you know, and it, and it caused me to continue the cycle. The cycle would repeat itself over and over, you know, and I never, um, so yeah, I guess my excuses were, uh, that I was a victim that I, couldn't take personal responsibility because of that excuse and would never really be able to see the actual reality of my situation. And as a result, I mean, you know, as far as like specifically, you know, like verbiage uh, of what the excuses were, I mean, it was probably a million different excuses, but I know that like uh, the fact that my ex wouldn't let me be part of my children's lives, um, either that or when I actually would sink into the shame and then I'd be like, I abandoned my kids. I did this to myself. You piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. Those were eternal excuses to get high. Eternal. I mean, they never lost their strength. I, I would always be able to, if I sunk into that feeling, I'm going to try to shut it off. Yeah. So many though. I walked away from so many people because I was like, see, I knew it because okay. the whole time, really, honestly, I was waiting for them to do me. Wrong, 100%. You know? and, and, and in I fact, was looking for. Right. And in fact, probably reason. doing certain things in order to be able to trigger that response. Right. Yeah. We got a ton of calls, brother. So we're going to get to those, too. So PD, and I love this one, says fear in all its manifestations will steer me into thinking I am unable or unworthy of being joyful from the book feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers recognizing how we talk to ourselves can make the difference in how strong we believe we are and this is the pain to power vocabulary okay i'm going to include that in the show notes as well as a link to this book turn i can't into I won't, okay? I should into I could. And this is pain to power. It's not my fault to I'm totally responsible. It's a problem to it's an opportunity. Wow. I'm never satisfied to I want to learn and grow. Mm. Life's a struggle to life's an adventure. I hope I into I know mm. if only into next time. Wow. What will I do can be turned into I know I can handle it. Right. It's terrible can be turned into it's a learning experience. So really transforming wow. this negative self-talk into powerful affirmations about what you're capable of. Dude, I want to thank, I want to take a moment to thank you personally for uh, sharing this in the, in the comments, man. Like as Charles is reading it, he gets about three or four in and I just get goosebumps everywhere. And then you get a few more in and I'm welling up over here. Yeah. listening to that 
Yeah, and a lot of it's got to do with the fact that I've experienced those things, them changes taking place in my life. Thank God, and thanks to this program and the people like Charles, you know, that have been there with me through it all and helped guide me on my path. Man, this is real stuff that you just brought up and. And so powerful, man. Thanks for sharing that. And I really hope that somebody out there gets a lot out of that. Mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure. And we got some mind-blowing calls right here. It's time once again to take some calls from the Way Out podcast listening audience. If you want to call the show, you can call 218-382-1960 and leave us a message on the current week's topic. Your calls make a real difference. So we here at the Way Out podcast extend a heartfelt thank you for your contribution. So let's bring on the calls. We got Buddy. Hey guys, buddy C. Uh, man, hmm. Biggest excuse I hear is I just don't have time. Yeah. Funny. My response to that is always, "Well, did you have time to drink?" <laughs> it's always yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I always flip it to to the alcohol side. What we did to you know feed our addiction. Just like when smoking stopped in the clubhouses, I said, I don't know if I can go an hour without a cigarette. My response was, well, <laughs> you got a place that had free liquor, but no drinking, I mean, but no uh, smoking. Could you deal with that? They said, oh, sure. I said, okay, well, <laughs> right. then why not? So uh, our, our thinking on time, I think a lot of times is our big excuse. We're so important that we have to, uh, you know, yeah. it's all about us. Got to change it, so. Surrender. So thanks, guys. Appreciate your service. Bye. I mean, I love that turning it around, right? You know, like, yeah, man. He has the have, best oh, responses. So <laughs> and do you have time for wow. drinking? Always. Always. For sure. We I got, just liked what he said. Could you go without a cigarette for an hour if you were offered free booze the whole time, but you just couldn't smoke? Oh, yeah. Every, every time. <laughs> every time. We got Boston Mike. Hey, Jason and Charlie. It's uh, Boston Mike giving you a call. Um, Charlie reached out to me. He asked me to call in. So I'm calling in. Um, excuses is a, is a tough one because it's almost like I didn't realize I was making excuses until after I got sober because my excuses was my disease validating um, my use, you know, my drinking. So it, this is kind of a tough topic. Um, I, I knew there were excuses once I got sober. It's like one of those things, you know, when the fog lifts, you go, oh, man, I used to use this excuse and this excuse. Um, but I, I think really the only thing I can say about excuses is you run out of them eventually, you know. Um, you run out of, you know, oh, it, it was it was, uh, it was so-and-so's birthday or so-and-so's graduation or I'm really sad because somebody passed away. Or you run out of excuses. And I think once you run out of excuses um, with people who love you, uh, then you begin to run out of excuses uh, for yourself. So excuses, this is a tough one. If you're still actively using or drinking, you know, you know you're using them. And, um, you know, just try to cut yourself some slack and just don't forget. If you're using excuses to validate your drinking or drugging, that's your disease doing the talking. That's not the real you. Be the real you and get sober and you'll be so happy 
You don't have to make excuses anymore. Okay, guys. I uh, hope you guys have a wicked good day. See ya. Bye. Oh, Mike, thank you. And I love that, too, because often I didn't really realize I That's was awesome. making excuses. In fact, most of the time I didn't realize I was making excuses. They were reasons. They they they, they felt oh, like yeah. reasons. They felt like the this is this is a really good reason why. What do, what do they say? You know, we we do we work these steps so that we can become aware of our own bullshit. Totally. One hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Uh, great response, Mike. Thanks, brother. And that awareness is so important. And as we begin to work uh, on our program of recovery, we hit mm-hmm. a whole bunch of levels of awareness. And uh, there's a lot of that, especially in the beginning. Dude, I, I say it and I keep probably saying it. It's the greatest gift. It's also the hardest fucking thing totally. uh, about my recovery, but it's, it's the greatest gift as a result of working these steps for sure. So freaking lootly. Uh, we got Andrew. Hey guys, this is Andrew up in uh, Stillwater. Hey, Just grateful to be part of uh, the program and be part of the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to share my little part about excuses and turning them into positive changes. One thing that's extremely struck me to mind, this is a keeping it simple kind of idea, is remembering during relapse or during my um, abysmal spiral down the abyss <laughs> of insanity and drinking and using and Remembering the lengths, the measurements, the extent I went to to get that fixed every moment of every day. And also remind myself in the big book, it states half measures avail us nothing. And I simplify that as just remember the extreme lengths I went to to get fixed. I go half of that in recovery. I'm going to shine. Brave to be here. You all have a good one. That's tremendous. I often forget the the extreme measures I would go to in order to get my right. fix. Right. My sponsor, dude, he always says, I remember when I first started recovery, he was like, oh, yeah, about the drinking thing. Remember when I had to restart yeah. my clock? Yeah, right. Um, yep. Okay, so he was like, he was talking about this when he was explaining it to me why I needed to do that. And he was like, they say in the book that half measures avail us nothing. And he's like, believe me, I'm with you when I think, if I'm working at this and I'm trying, you know, but it's only half measures. He's like, you would think it would at least avail me half, right. but I get nothing. He's right. like, I get nothing unless right. I'm all in right. on this. And I thought, wow, dude, that's fucked up, but okay. And I, it took me two weeks to make that decision and finally go along with it and tell people that I was having beers at night, you know, when I was going to bed. So Dude, good point, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> hey, guys, this is Jared. Um, it's been a while since I called, but um, hey, Jared. excuses. You know, um, I think this is something we all use quite often. Um, I think my biggest excuse is not taking the personal effort to reach out to get help when I'm struggling. You know, my recovery has looked like a roller coaster. You know, periods of sobriety and lengths of relapse and so on and so forth. You guys get the idea. But, um, you know, I think really, I think to get over those excuses, you know, once you're doing what's right, you got to stay consistent. You can't cut off your lifelines, you know, which I've done over and over, you know, such as like going to groups or medication or therapy. Um, I struggle with opiates myself and, you know, what's working for me is, um, 
medication, you know, and I don't take methadone because I don't, it, from what I've heard, it, you know, it makes you kind of messed up. So I prefer Suboxone because I feel like I can think clearly and people seem to think that I act normal on it. So, and it pretty much, I mean, pretty much completely rids me of my um, cravings. So I'm doing that on top of therapy. So I guess my excuse is, you know, like in December when I started back up again, I have like maybe six weeks again now. But um, my excuse was problems with family, you know, stress at work. But I wasn't seeking therapy and I wasn't seeking medication. So, um, but now I'm doing those things and I think those need to stay in my life consistently so I can have a a good and stable life. But um, I hope everybody's doing well. You know, I hope everybody's staying safe with the riots and staying um, clean and healthy because of COVID. Isolation just is not good for any active or any addict, excuse me. But um, have a good day, guys. Talk to you later. Oh man, Jared, thanks for calling in, man. And six weeks is a big damn deal. So congratulations on that. And you know, keep up the good work, man, and keep on doing that next right thing. You reminded me something very important, Jared. So thank you for that. And that's this. I would collect excuses every day in order to be able to use when I got home from work. Mm-hmm. Every day. I was collecting excuses and I had the big excuses that I could cash in anytime I wanted. Like, you know, if you were me, you drink two. And you know, if you had my life, you drink two and those right. kinds of things. Right. But if and, it was like a shitty day, you'd be yeah. like, Oh yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I would didn't even have to be crappy. I would just, you know, oh, no. that person looked at me wrong. You know, that person cut me off. That person sent me an email I didn't like. You know, I was looking for reasons. I was looking for right. excuses. And they didn't or it could be a really paid. good day. And then you're like, man, I did so good today. That was a good day. I deserve it. Got a lot done. Yep, I earned it. No. I earned <laughs> yeah. that. And I used that a lot too. So good points. Hell like, yeah. Like <laughs> I, I collected excuses every day to justify why uh, I, I should be able to get hammered that night. Right. Every day. Yep. And just so you guys know, Jared, uh, just he's, I think he might've already started now, or he's about to start, uh, intensive outpatient program on top of those other things he was talking about. And Jared, I know I told you this, but I want to say it on the show for anybody listening as we are a show that, uh, honors and respects all pathways to recovery. Medically assisted treatment is a a pathway to recovery and it is valid and it works for a lot of people. Don't ever let the hardcore big book thumper or the abstinence preaching, you know, hundred percent abstinence preaching person uh, get you down or make you feel shameful that you are participating in a medically assisted treatment program. Then you just have to find your support elsewhere, which would be, in groups that are offered with your medically assisted treatment program. I guarantee they offer support groups, meetings that are with people that are on that same path and that same journey with you. Um, you got to find the like-minded folks that are on the same mission as you. So good luck, Jared. You know, your prayer always in my prayers, brother. I love you, man. Wish Thanks Jared so much, man. And absolutely no shame in medically assisted treatment. And right. there should be no stigma around it and so let's let's work hard to make sure that on this show we shed that stigma 
in that shame around medically assisted treatment because it's a very important pathway to recovery. Amen. And I, recovery, man, is like where we, some of us, a lot of us first find the courage to even explore our feelings and our personalities. And why is that? It's because of the support we find. So why, when it works for you, I'll never understand why when it works for you, why some people choose to stand on a podium that they built for themselves and talk down on people because they're doing it in a different way. I mean, this is supposed to be about support. This is about supposed to be about being all inclusive, right? And we all want the same thing. We should all want to see people around us get well. And I'm not saying that those people that are getting preachy don't want to see you get well. I just think that they don't realize that their mind is snapped shut around their particular uh, process. It's the only way. You know, yeah. And as a result, maybe they do care. And that's why they feel they need to pipe up. But what comes out of their mouth is this, um, you're doing it wrong. It's, you know? it's, yeah, it's, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Yeah, It's rooted in judgment, not right. open-mindedness for sure. I tried it. What is that thing you talked about it on a recent episode, buddy, where we were the best intentions or whatever? Absolutely. Like assume, assume positive intent and everything. So I try to look at those situations like they really care. It's just coming out sideways. And because they chose to go the abstinence route, they feel offended by the thought of a medication. Assistant. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I am looking at you and I'm uh, um, uh, taking you and assuming the best intent, right? Instead of judging and assuming the worst intent. One of the things I wanted to share before we close, brother, is, you know, a lot of my excuses were fueled also on the fact, uh, on a rationalization and justification that was based on minimization, So I minimized, forgot, conveniently (laughs) rationalized the extent of the consequences of my use so that I could continue to use without feeling as guilty. Now, the reality is, is I knew what the truth was. When I really, when the, when it hit me in the face, and it, and it did from time to time, the truth of it would hit me in the face, as I've talked about that often, in the form of a lost relationship, a DWI, something of that nature. The full weight and truth of my disease would hit me in the face. But right. in between those times, I was able to sort of self-dilute myself into thinking, well, it's really not that bad. I'm only hurting myself. It's not, you know, the consequences. There's no real consequences. Nobody really knows I'm doing this, right? It's fine. I've got my Jekyll and Hyde program going. Life's fine. I can continue to harbor my future of an addiction. When I sat down and did a full-on step one with a, and there was like a five-page worksheet that had me detail all the full magnitude and extent of my alcohol and substance abuse and use and all of the consequences without any rationalization, it became undeniable that my life was completely unmanageable. 
Dude, and that, had been for many, many years. And my sponsor would, I'd present it to him and then he would point out those things to me. Right. And it would take me numerous tries before we could finally sit down and really talk about it because right away he would be like, well, here you go again, you know? Absolutely. You just, you just change your wording. Or, and so I would, just, encourage, again. <laughs> yeah, I would encourage anybody who, who really wants to get 100% honest with themselves is do a full step one worksheet. It yeah. really does a tremendous job, and I'll include that in the show notes, of laying out under no uncertain terms the full weight and magnitude of your use. And then for me, it became undeniable and unavoidable. And there was only one answer. I had to do whatever it took to get better. Damn right, brother. Wonderful show, man, this brother. Was a, this was they, a great show. It was, man. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, Thank you so much, like man. four times. That's pretty good. <laughs> and your connection held up pretty well. There were some times where it got sketchy. So so I appreciate all of you listeners who uh, bared with some Bear of the, with us. Yeah, with some of the sketchy connection as uh, our wonderful co-host extraordinaire is enjoying the great <laughs> outdoors so jason thank you so much brother and thank you all in way out podcast land we will talk to you next time take care everyone thank you for being a part of the way out we appreciate your ears we're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week so keep listening up if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.